All right, we're on. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, listen to this. Guest with me today, his name is Cam Dietz. He is a strength and conditioning coach at Utah Valley. He works primarily with men's, ba uh, men's baseball, women's softball, um, golf teams, and the men's soccer team. So um, I'll kind of pass the baton over to Cam and let him kind of tell you guys his experience, how he got where he's at. And yeah, take it away, Cam. Yep. So uh, I came to Utah Valley uh, in 2019 in August. Um, so uh, like we said, work with mostly throwing sports, um, swinging sports, and then men's soccer took over in January. Um, before that, I was a professional intern at North Texas uh, for the for the summer um, before there. Um, and then I was a GA at uh, University of Northern Colorado um, for two years before that in the big sky with uh, Coach Rattel here. He may have been playing, but you know, we were in the big sky at the same time. And then, um, and when I was there, assisted with pretty much everything minus cross country. Um, so I had time as a GA to really get to work with everybody. And that was, I think, a, a, a huge benefit. Um, but football um, was in charge of tennises there. Um, and then track and field. So uh, I was working at, a, at my old high school. Um, and I, I actually got offered the head baseball job, head baseball coaching job, um, the day after I accepted being a GA at Northern Colorado. So, um, I was working there as an assistant coach doing strength conditioning there. Um, uh, before that, um, interned at my alma mater for a buddy of mine, um, Jeff. And then before that, I was a uh, intern for the summer at uh, the university of Delaware. So, um, Got my undergrad degree from UCCS. Um, both degrees are in like exercise science, you know, BS and uh, masters of science. Um, yeah, and then uh, played a little ball in uh, college. So cool. Um, so working with baseball. Um, so I played baseball in high school. I've never worked with a baseball team though, um, but I remember like when I was in high school playing. My high school coaches would always say, "Don't lift upper body." don't press overhead, uh, don't do a lot of general or like traditional weight room stuff. Um, right. I guess what's your experience with uh, the coaching staff that you've had working with baseball teams? Are they, are they pro strength training, resistance training? Like how, how has that experience been? So, uh, so UVU, Utah Valley and Northern Colorado, where I came from, um, they both are in uh, the WAC in baseball. So I remember I sat down in Coach Madsen's office and we were talking a little bit, you know, and, you know, have you worked with baseball? Where have you been? And he said, you, you were in Northern Colorado, right? I said, yeah. And he goes, uh, he goes, you know, we play at the same altitude um, and they hit, you know, almost twice as many home runs as us last year. I said, yeah. And he goes, so they need, we need to get stronger. Like we are, we are too weak. And when those guys show up, like they, they're, they're big dudes, like Northern Colorado, if there's one thing that their baseball team is big ass dudes. Um, I remember hearing stories like they would play at Nebraska every other year. And then Nebraska head coach, one of the, one of the, the biggest compliments he would give is he'd go up to the, you know, to Carl, our, uh, our baseball coach at UNC. And he'd say, man, you got some big dudes, like big ass dudes. And every time they'd come back and he'd tell my boss, Jimmy, he'd go, I don't know what you guys are doing, but they're big in Nebraska. <laughs> like, the, like they're big. Keep them, you know, keep them big. We don't give a shit. Just keep them big. So like, it's, you know, it's, it's been good where, 
I haven't had to fight a coach or argue with a coach about, you know, you know, trying to get some size on the guys. Um, that was our big goal in January. I thought we, we did a really good job this fall when I first came in, um, getting them really, really strong. Um, and with that, their jumps were better. You know, they, they were running faster, all that, all those kinds of things. But really it was about having these guys, encouraging them to put some weight on and keep it on um, through January, February, and then until we got shut down, you know, somewhere in uh, March, April. But, um, yeah, so so they, they love it. Um, position players traditionally like to lift a little bit heavier. They're kind of the meatheads of the team. Um, and then you've got pitchers, um, and some of those guys are un, just freakish athletes. Um, and, you know, and luckily our, our culture here is they really get after it. So, Mm-hmm. Do you do anything different with pitchers versus position players or do they all do the same um, thing? Yeah. So this, so this first year, um, so our weight room is, um, I, I came into a situation that's a little different. Um, yeah, I was, I was baseball's fourth strength coach in, in 12 months. Um, so, and our weight rooms, our weight rooms new, but it's also, um, inside of the kind of training dome. That's where I'm at now. So if that background noise is the fans, the air conditioning, but, um, you know, when I came in, it's a smaller weight room. It's a, you know, trying to establish something that hasn't been a habit. You know, one guy training you is not something that they're used to. So for this first year, we did pretty much everything the same. Um, I will say that a lot of times with pitchers, especially when we got to in season, if they wanted to um, do alternatives to certain things, we would talk, you know, I'm a big heavy chin up guy. Um, and, so a lot of my pitchers would rather do pull downs, especially in season. So, you know, I'll let them do neutral grip lap pull down and stuff instead of a neutral grip chin up. But, um, you know, we, we would adjust that way um, in season. You know, I'm looking at the calendar right now before I got canceled. But, uh, you know, in season, the position players would lift two to three times a week whenever they could in between like mid midweek games. And then the pitchers, like I had our starting pitchers, our Friday night guy, he would lift – he would lift Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then potentially Wednesday. So he would do a little bit every day, kind of that microdosing thought mm-hmm. um, that's used a lot with basketball, um, rather than doing you know two or three heavy, heavy lifts in a week. So mm-hmm. yeah, we don't have a baseball team here, um, right? So I have no idea what their the typical college baseball schedule is like. Are they playing five games a week sometimes? Uh, yeah. So let's see, uh, just cause I have it in front of me. So we had, um, the busiest week was actually one of the last weeks that we had. So we had uh Friday, Saturday, Sunday at university of Washington. They flew back. I think Sunday night, we lifted Monday. They played air force on Tuesday and Wednesday. They had Thursday off and then they played Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Boise state and that Boise state, weekend was actually the one that was canceled like that was when corona like actually shut everything down but in that they would have had two off days they would have played one two three four five six seven eight eight in nine days or ten days and so yeah they're, they're busy and i think that um you know the starters position guys they really got fatigued really quick and that's something that i'll adjust to next year yeah um especially in these heavy you know when when they play those midweek games it, it just changed everything up if, if you if you play one friday one saturday one sunday um it's not as bad because you got four days in between you got a day off you got two or three lifts there 
but when you're playing two midweek games, it's, it's a lot. So it's an adjustment that I need to make for next year. So do the guys who don't get a lot of playing time, do they lift on game days? Like if they know they're not in the lineup ever? Um, no, but I want it to be. The problem with that is, so, so we actually have a, we actually are lucky to have a, a, a weight room in the baseball stadium. Um, it's small, so we don't train there as a team, but um, I want the guys to want to do that. So yeah. I'm, I'm in a position with five sports that I can't, I don't travel with baseball. I don't travel with anybody right now. Um, but I'm not in a position that, you know, I'm going to try and I'm going to highly encourage them to do it, but they've also got to take some ownership in their development. If they're yeah. the second or third string catcher or whatever the case is, and they want to get some extra work in, they will. I mean, we have a, we have a freshman catcher that traveled on the road with uh, the team last year and he was lifting with the pitchers on the road because the Friday guy will do what, you know, we'll kind of assess what we've got in the hotel you know, me from, from Utah all the way to Washington, right. And whatever they've got access to, I'll write them something to do. Um, Saturday do you travel Sunday. with them then? No, I don't. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, okay. I don't travel. So it's, it's more of a, Hey, when you guys get there, like I'll talk to some of the, the, uh, upperclassmen, I'll say, Hey, when you guys get to the hotel, send me a picture of what the weight room looks like and I'll come up with something. Um, I I'll almost always send them with, you know, they'll have J bands and stuff. Um, I'll send them, I'll try and send them with like TRX straps, that kind of thing. But like their normal split is, I mean, if you're talking like high, low, the Friday guy, the day after he plays, he'll do a light lift with some, some really light cardio. Um, and then he'll have his heavy lift the day after that. And then a like medium lift. So kind of that, um, undulated training just flipped around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so each sport's so different with the way that their schedule is like football is one game a week. You I mean, programming for football in season is really not that hard because you know, they're playing on Saturday, you know, depending on where you're at teams are either going to lift Sunday, take Monday off or uh, take Sunday off, lift Monday, and then one or two lifts like during the week. So it's not football isn't too crazy, but um, like my experience working with tennis, um, a lot of times they'll travel Thursday. Um, then they'll have matches Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it, it right. varies. It varies between who's playing Friday, Saturday. Like some of them play all three days. Some of them play Saturday, Sunday. Some of them play Friday only. And then my experience with basketball and volleyball is still same kind of chaotic in the way they travel. And so it's I always find it really interesting the way – certain coaches kind of program in season when teams that are traveling different days, traveling overnight, coming back to campus at four in the morning, and then they're training that same day. Like you just got to got to be able to handle all that and manage all that stuff. So yeah, I just, I think it baseball is for sure with different position players, like pitchers are obviously their 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 performance is different pitching than it than a position player who it's just right. different it's so much different from position to position than say basketball everybody pretty much does the same thing on a basketball court maybe there's some differences between guards and and bigs but no I think it's baseball is really interesting I would love to work with a baseball team and just get that experience um and then so you're you're working with softball too so 
is is the traveling with softball and the way you program for them, the way you manage their in season training, very similar to baseball, or well, how how do you do that? Yeah, so so softball, um, their off season looks really similar, um, or it did. Um, so when I first got here, uh, TJ was here and he left at the end of the semester um, to go to UTEP. So we had a new coach come in um, in January, which is you know tough timing, but you know personal decisions and you, you know, you got to adjust. Right. So, um, when the new coach came in, I remember when I met Stacy, she said, uh, she goes, you know, what do you think? What, like, what, what makes sense to you in season for, for a softball team? And uh, same thing. I, I, I truly believe that if you're, um, especially if you're in season or preseason with a, with a team, I think, um, I, I really like microdosing. I really like doing a little bit more often, than trying to fit what you would fit into a week into two days. You know, you have to yeah. perform, whether it's practice or these non-conference games. You know, we didn't make it all the way to conference, but you have to perform at your best more often. And so, you know, I told her that, and she said, do you want them five days a week? And I said, okay, sure, yeah, like, let's go. So I took, um, uh, we got Monday, Monday through Friday, and now – you know, going into this fall, like, like I said, when I first got here, I was working with them three days a week. Baseball was four days a week and I'll have baseball four days a week, I think. And, uh, softball will be five days a week in the off season. And I think, you know, part of it is, has become, you know, it, 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 it is now a part of their culture. It's a part of what they do. Like they knew they had an optional lift when they got back, um, you know, from a, like they got back from Mexico and they did really well. Like they beat everybody, but Oregon on the strip, they beat George Washington. Like they, they had a, they had an incredible season. So they come back from this trip to Mexico and I just reached out to the seniors and I said, like, you guys were gone for like five or six days. You didn't do any resistance training. Like, like I want you guys to get back in as soon as you guys feel comfortable. And I'm not trying to force you guys to come in, but like the sooner you guys get in, the sooner we can get back to doing a little bit every day instead of you guys come back and I feel like I need to give you guys too much. Right. And then I think that's where, you know, less is better, especially in season. I don't think it takes as in the, the, um, the gains or, you know, whatever success that you've built. Um, as I've thought in the past, I think now that I'm, I'm getting older and getting more used to programming and understanding, you know, what it looks like in season, like you said, for all these different teams, I, I don't think you need to do as much, but I still encourage them to come back. And the day after they got back from a, you know, however long that flight is five, six hours, they came in and they were working out. And I would tell them like, you guys are working harder than every single team in the WAC. Like I, I can guarantee that I work those girls harder than any other team in the WAC because I have seen other softball teams lift three times a week out of season or in off season and then two times a week in season. Like I've seen it. I've seen it at the places that I've been. And I know if we're lifting five times a week, we're getting quality work in and I still have them for an hour, you know, and the last part of that hour, you know, gives me the chance to do some more, um, uh, specific, you know, kind of, a, uh, I really like, um, self, uh, like myofascial release, like ART almost with tennis balls and lacrosse balls and some foam rolling stuff like that. I'll, I'll work in some end range lift off, like, um, external shoulder rotation with a partner, um, with baseball, all those kinds of things. It gives me more time to do it. 
you know, and so if I have five hours a week to do it, it really gives me a chance to do some parasympathetic breathing for recovery and, you know, do some extra stuff that I wouldn't normally do it. At the same time, I know that we're working harder than, than the other teams that we're playing. And I think that that's something that they bought into, loved, enjoyed. They like, they, they fucking wanted to be there. And I think that's, that's probably the greatest, greatest thing that happened. And it was, uh, Hey, we flew back. We're going in, we're going to work. Like, I don't care whether it's, you know, our mandatory day off. Like we work out as a team when we get back because Cam says this is going to help us. And so far we've had the best record that we've had in division one history. Let's keep it going. So, yeah. Do they, uh, I guess softball or baseball, do they lift before practice, after practice, 6am? Like, uh, yeah, what's their lifting time? Do they have to share facilities? Um, and if so, logistically, how does that kind of play out on your side of things? Uh, so, yeah, how does that all that go? Yeah, so baseball is uh, baseball got the kind of shit into the stick with 6 a.m., um, which, I mean, it has pros and cons. Like, I'm a big sleep guy, and I know I've got some turds that don't sleep enough. But at the same time, you come in at 6 because – you know, we've got these smaller teams spread throughout that it makes more sense for them to get in later, right? And so they, they lift from six to seven, um, but that also is nice because it gives them time to go home, eat something before they go to treatment around 10.30 and then practice around 11.30. Um, so they've got a break in there where they can eat if they're supposed to. And that's kind of, like I said, in the fall, we didn't emphasize it. And I think that it was a detriment. And in the spring, we emphasized it, and we had guys put on, you know, some of them put on some bad weight, but most of them put on good weight and were finally eating, you know, more than twice a day. And, and um, so baseball's got a couple hours in between, which can be good, which can be bad, because if they fall asleep, they'll sleep through some of their classes too. Yeah. Um, so are all their classes are afternoon then, huh? Afternoon Yeah, for the most part. I know some of the guys have, you know, occasionally a pitcher will have a class that's during like the second half of practice. But like if you come, if you're a pitcher, it's not great for the team aspect of it. But if you're a pitcher, you come in, you throw, you, you warm up, you throw your bullpen, you get out, you go to class. Like if you have to, sure. Um, but for the most part, everybody's got afternoon classes, whereas softball um, last semester, they lifted right before practice. So they would lift um, 2.30 to 3.30 and then they would practice 3.30 to 5 fish every day um except for the you know their mandatory days off but um so they would lift right before practice and for them it was uh you know the nutrition piece was like hey like when you guys come in and i and there's some things i want to do like you know obviously we don't we don't have nearly as much as i had at northern colorado um when it came to nutrition but um you know we implemented we've got some protein thanks to optimum nutrition and so we've got um, a bunch of protein, I'll buy chocolate milk in gallons and they'll just make shakes because I got them all bottles and stuff. And so they'll make shakes in between uh, lifting and practice. Um, I think one of the things that I want to implement, I know that like, um, like, the, like, like energy chews and gels and stuff are getting like really popular, especially with court sports right now. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to say coach, like we got to have this, but I think one of the things I'm going to do this year is for baseball and softball, I'm going to have um, Gatorade for sure in the weight room. So like if we get there at six and uh, the guys didn't eat something before they came, at least you can get 200 calories of carbs right before, you know, yeah. carbs, sugar, whatever. I, at some point, like at some point, I'm not going to fight the battle of 
of, oh, you know, I, yeah, of course, I wish I could give you guys a, a buffet of, you know, oatmeal and shit and fruit and whatever. But like, I don't, I can't. So if I can get you guys, you know, some carbs or some sugar as soon as you guys get in because it's six or seven in the morning, then that's better than not having anything. So I think I'm going to do that this year because um, it really isn't that much more work to, to fill up you know, a 10 gallon cooler with Gatorade and just make sure we have it. So, yeah. Um, with those two teams, softball and baseball, do you have specific KPIs that you're testing for annually? Um, whether it's, I don't know, vertical jump or trap or deadlift, one rep mat, like anything, what do you, what do you right. look for testing wise? Um, so, you know, my biggest thing is the pitchers. I want to know their, their, their velocities. I want to know that their velocities are up, their pitching velocities are up um, because that translates to the field. Um, if we tested like exit velocity with the baseball, with the hitters, I would care about that too. Um, but like within the weight room, we'll, we'll do a standing bird, uh, just a standing arm swing, counter movement, jump, whatever. I always get them confused, but you know, just whatever, jump as high <laughs> as you can on. Yeah. And we'll do that at least once a week, I think. And, and we'll test it once a week just to kind of auto-regulate and see how we're feeling and stuff. You know, we have few genetics, so we use the daily readiness scores and stuff like that too. But, you know, you've got people that just, you know, wake up and just 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, whatever. And like, maybe they're not actually feeling that way, but they know they have to fill it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so getting the jumps like that. And then we, uh, let's see, we'll max front squat and we'll max trap our deadlift. Um, okay. those are, those are our big strength things. Yeah. Um, and that's and for both that softball and baseball. Yeah. Both softball and baseball. Like I said, their off seasons are super similar. Yeah. Um, it'll change now, but I, you know, I, I, I'm a big triphasic guy. So like we do the things we do and if the split's a little bit different because somebody's in three days versus four days, then so be it. But we'll do the things that we do. You know, we're, we're trying to push the ground away from us when we're trap bar deadlifting and, um, we've got those whatever the, the the one they've got a little bit longer handle but they're they're super long the the really big trap bars they weigh like 85 pounds so you know we'll get after it and they and they like being able to you know i've got two softball girls that deadlift 400 pounds with those so you know i'm i'm happy with it they get something heavy in their hands um so th those are our big two strength movements we don't we don't max bench or anything like that okay. uh so the fusionetics I've honestly never heard of that. I'm, I'm assuming it's just a daily questionnaire. Is that right? Yeah. So Fusionetics is the, the brand and, and it's like FMS. Um, okay. So they, it's a movement screen originally. And then they added this kind of daily readiness thing All right. uh, to it. So within the questionnaire, it's like, um, I can pull it up too, but within the questionnaire, it's like, how many, how much, how, how, well, on a scale of one to 10, how well did you sleep last night? Yeah. Um, how, what's your readiness, which I think is the worst one, you know, like, like, uh, am I ready for the day? I guess like that one's shit, but like, I really yeah. look at how much they got and I look at how stressed they are, that kind of thing. So it comes up with a value of one to 100 for their readiness. And really like, if you fill it out consistently, like I had softball fill it out all 75 days before we got shut down by Corona or whatever for the semester. And from there you can see some trends and really that's all I wanted to see, you know, in the off season, if, you know, we're doing like a, a, a medium intense week, a medium heavy and a deload week into like that super compensation into a heavy week, you know, did we super compensate? Did our fusionetic scores kind of bump up over that deload week? Are we feeling good for maxing week or for that heavy week? You know, whatever the case is, I think that's where the value is in it. Um, especially because, you know, we don't have heart rate monitors. We don't use GPS tracking or anything like that. So you don't get to see their top speeds. 
you know, we don't get to see their heart rate. Is their heart rate up because they're fatigued because their, you know, uh, body's working harder to, you know, move blood in the, in the system because of a hard lift or a hard week mm-hmm. or, a, you know, a, a hard bullpen, I guess, you know, b- baseball's a little different. The field sports I'd say in court sports, I think it's, you know, it's, it's more pivotal, I guess, to have, have some player tracking like that, but like fusionetics for us is, is something that I like. Um, and hopefully with, the budget cuts coming from Corona, hopefully we keep it, but yeah, you know, all that. So, yeah. Well, so what I would do with uh, volleyball and basketball. So we have the just jump mats. Um, so we would do our, like our daily vertical jump testing as a way to monitor fatigue, I guess just the easiest way to put it. Um, and then I'd also have them fill out uh, like an, a daily RPE score, which, which would be, an RPE after practice and lifting, and then also um, a soreness score, which would be the same. That's how are you feeling after practice and lifting, and maybe you're, maybe you're still sore from two days prior. Um, and like the biggest issue that I had with that is that it's it was hard to adjust at the right time. So like we'd see a trend after two, three days, whatever. And then now it's like, well, shit, we have to intervene and do something for this kid who's trending down. But not, but at that point it's like too late. You know what I mean? And right. so, and so I, I don't, that's, I, and that's the hardest part too. I think that's the yeah. hard part, you, no matter what, what screening it is. And it's actually really similar. I get, I was thinking like, I can pull it up too, but like it, it has that soreness. It has that kind of, um, it has those things that you're looking for. And I've like, I've seen it. So I spent some time with uh, coach Wagner at uh, Texas Arlington and she sends out like a really similar questionnaire every day and they respond and she puts in that information, those scores like one to five in an Excel document that she's been using for fuck how long I, you know, I have no idea. She's been in the game for a long time, but like she's been using it and it does the same thing. So really the reason that I like it is because it's, it's so much easier on me yeah. Because I don't have to, you know, I don't, I don't have to come up with the algorithm to, to come out with a score based on how they're feeling, how they're sleeping, you know, if they're sore, if they're not, those kinds of things. So I think that, you know, for me, it's been a huge benefit because it at least gives me some feedback. Um, and then right. past that, like, I think it's a better, I think it's a better movement screen than FMS because it gives you, you know, all scores are relative, but it spits mm-hmm. out a score. And the first time I saw it was in North Texas and coach Rick used it with women's basketball, but it spits out a score. And it's like, it doesn't matter whether it's 50 and you're in the red or it's 75 and you're in like the lime green. Like if we move well in the weight room with load, we're going to move better without load. And, you know, this is the way we squat. This is the way we, you know, do a push up. These are the, you know, we're going to get good at these things. And then when you go back to do that movement screen again, you're going to have improvement. I mean, I think our average improvement, I don't have it on that one. Uh, our average improvement was something like eight, like, and that's a relative number, right? But eight is almost 10%, 8%, right? So we got 8% better. We move 8% better. We had a girl that was coming off an ACL injury and her, genetic score or whatever her movement score went up like 22 or 23 so if it's a score of 100 like you you move 23 percent better like yeah okay you're recovering from your acl you're you're down to one leg per se but like you're moving better i am more confident not only that you're stronger but now like you're moving better i hope that this doesn't happen again out on the on the 
the field, right? So, you know, I think that's where the value is in, in Fusionetics for me. You know, it does both. And so yeah. it's, a, it's a movement screen that I like, uh, and it's pretty simple to use. I, I think they actually even changed it where you can just set them up in front of the camera, and you can just have them do a squat, and it'll read it, and it'll – spit it out whatever okay so, i think i know it i think yeah. i know what you're talking about now what yeah okay. so it's even faster you know because i i think i've seen an issue where you know my thought on i mean to me knee valgus is knee valgus right but like if somebody sees a little bit versus a lot you know and then you kind of judge it and you know fms i think there's a lot of room between one two and you know three oh, yeah. is very rare right but like i think there's a lot of room between those so that's why I like, you know, a score of one to 100, at least we can, you know, at least we can see. So, mm -hmm. so you can get a whole, you can get your whole team in with that in 20 minutes, maybe less than, um, you know, the athletic trainers have actually helped me out, uh, with it. Um, so I think that they have done the, they've done the screening. I don't know if they're going to use, I don't know if they'll use the camera. I assume they will. Um, but I think, you know, if we got 25 girls, I think that we can get them in front of a screen now, in front of a camera. And if the, if the software is solid, you can do your squat, you can do your single leg squat. If you got to do it from a side view and a front view, um, you know, I, I don't think that doing a whole team should take more than an hour, which is better. I think FMS can be, but like, like I've been around it with football. And so when we would do it with football at Delaware, you know, we would have one guy doing this and one guy doing this and one guy and it'd say, okay, O lineman here, D lineman here, skills, you know, skills, yep. mixed mids, actually let's split it up. However, we got to split it up. But you know, that was, that was the hardest part was like, okay, you've got an army of people. That's why you can get through it. Right. If you only have one, like, nah, you can't get through it. You only have the, the athletic trainer doing it. You know, you, it, it's, it's a lot harder to get through it. So I think that's kind of the, the hardest part with the Olympic teams. Uh, with the Olympic sports. So I'm going to pull it up because I have it. Um, so here, I'll just share the screen. You cool with that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, it's disabled. You want to share it or something? I don't know how to do that. Let's see if I can do this. Share screen. My, I'm sharing your screen. Yeah. Um, geez, I'm so bad with technology. I don't know if I have the ability to do that. It says host disabled. It's, hey, it doesn't matter. It's all good. Anyways, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, if any, if anybody wants to see it, let me put it this way. If anybody wants to yeah. see it, you can ask and I'll send you like screenshots or whatever. But yeah. like, you know, it, 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 it's really just a way to say, okay, you know, how do we move and can we get better at it? And it's an unbiased thing that says, Hey, when you squat, you struggle with this. And you know, next semester when we test again, Hey, you got better in this, you know? And, um, I, you know, it's buy-in a little bit, you know, if, if the athletes understand what they're doing and the purpose of it, you know, I, I got so much fun, like, cause I said, I, I was, I was one of many strength coaches when I first got here. So when I was like, Hey, this is the way we, we front squat, we don't back squat, we front squat 100%. And when we did that, and when we got here, I had a lot of guys that had a really wide, way too wide, especially with a, if you're going to do a low bar squat and you're going to be a power lifter, fine. Be a power lifter, low bar squat, have a wide stance, sit your ass back, get your depth. You know, you're competing, great. That's your sport. But, like, these baseball guys, they're not power lifters, right? So, for me, I wanted to front squat with a more Olympic, narrower stance, feet, 
you know, hip to shoulder width apart, slightly turned out. Um, and your depth is your depth. You know, I encourage guys to get as low as they can and be strong and, and, and not, you know, have a, a, a hip tuck or anything, you know, abnormal in those positions. But as long as you're, you know, as long as you're squatting and you're, you know, it looks good. I, I don't really give a shit. So when you go back and you do this movement screen, it's like, yeah, okay. Your body weight squats better because you've been front squatting the right way this whole time. So, um, you know, does, does the fusionetics, does that give like an individual assessment as far as what, uh, any sort of prehab exercises that they recommend yeah, it, for individuals does, and what to do? It does have some, uh, it has some, uh, trying to think of the word, like, yeah, it has some recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're able to say, Hey, you can get on Fusionetics, it's an app, you can get on the app and you can do some corrective exercise. That's what I was thinking. You've got some corrective exercises with videos on how to, and they, they prescribe it. And you want to do that because you're bored at home during coronavirus, or, you know, you've got some time on the weekends, we've got an off weekend and you want to work on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll encourage people to do that. But at the same time, I think that, you know, for us, the way that we, you know, the way that we lift, the way that we train and the way that we warm up are all things that are going to cause us to get better in that without having to do corrective exercise. You know, I don't need to do corrective exercise if my exercises are correct, right? right. If we, if we, if we're going to do it right, fuck, like we don't need to change, you know, we don't need to do all these crazy things, you know, occasionally we'll do a little heel lift for certain people because they've got shitty ankles, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to stop a, uh, an entire session to have everybody do some corrective exercises. I think it's great to have, but you know, I'm not going to spend our time doing that. We warm up really well and we go through, you know, one of my favorites is like the uh, world's greatest stretch or like the Spider-Man lunge. Like we hammer that position every single day. We'll do banded joint moves for anybody that's got some labrum issues and our catchers especially. And, you know, we'll get in those, we'll open up the hip sockets so that we can stay in a really upright position and squat really, really well. So, yeah, you know, I think if it, correctives are great, but if you exercise correctly, you're, you're, you don't need them as much. Right. So. Right. Yeah. With, uh, corrective exercises, I'm, I'm not against them by any means. If you want right. to do them, do them. But I think, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um, the purpose of training is to elicit adaptation. And I would, I would say, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but generally for a lot of corrective exercises, are you really loading the body and performing them with enough volume and enough frequency that's going to elicit an adaptation? I I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think so when you're comparing it to squatting twice a week, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, if you want to do the correctives, do them and you like them. Awesome. They work for you. Awesome. I don't think generally our job as strength coaches is to program correctives and make that a priority as long as we are doing what we need to do as strength coaches, which is loading the body appropriately, um, having the athletes go through the proper range of motion, whatever that is for that individual or that sport. Um, So, yeah, I mean – I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just kind of echoing your point. And, uh, no, you're good. You're good. No, like, I, like I agree with you. You know, they're not bad. Um, 
you know, if you do them consistently, you'll get better at it. Like I do certain things consistently because I want to avoid having another hip labrum surgery. Right. Yeah. So I do things consistently and you know, I work on my ankles because they are, they could be better and that would help me squat without putting as much strain on my knees because I've had some patellic tendinopathy. So like, I know these things when I see athletes that have them, I have them do it as well. You know, we've, you know, I, I'm a huge right now. I'm like, I, I follow a lot of and try and learn as much as I can on tendinopathy and because my knees suck. And, you know, so I follow knees over toes guy and I, I'll do his correctives, even though it's not even, but even his aren't correctives, right? He's got his like ATG split squat. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that movement in itself is a split squat. So right. how do I coach split squats with our guys? Very similarly, I want the knees over the toes. Like, you know, I think that that is part of athleticism and that's what happens. So we're going to work on low do a regular squat or a split squat because I encourage you to squat where your weight is over the middle of your foot. And when that happens and you have a balanced squat, your knees are going to go over your toes. You're going to work on that ankle dorsiflexion. You know, right. do I spend more time with it? But like, if I have a guy that's really bad, sure, I'll give him correctives. You know, I don't know if that's where we got down the corrective route. Yeah. Anymore, but like, <laughs> you know, I, I think they're a tool. You know, but right. I, I think let me put it this way. I'll make it really short. I think professional baseball players they do a lot more of that than they do loading the body. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Because if I have a guy like Garrett Cole that's worth $324 million, I'm probably – I don't back squat my guys. But I'm not going to load up a max back squat with him ever. I'm good. I don't need to. He's good. He's strong enough. I can elicit the same response in a trap bar deadlift. And if the guy doesn't want a trap bar deadlift, like I've got some pitchers that don't like to do it in season mm-hmm. because they believe it'll tear their UCL or some dumb shit. It's like well, you need to get some heavy <laughs> in your hand, right? So, okay, fine. We'll do RDLs with you. like. We'll have RDLs later, but like we'll still squat you, but it's a front squat. It's it's safer on the low back. The torso is in a more upright position because it has to be. Um, the weight is loaded over the middle of the foot or the ball of the foot more so than a back squat. Um, and it's less strain on the low back. So uh, that's why we front squat, right? So, you know, I think that professional guys, if you get to that point and you're worth $300 million, shit, man. Don't worry about it. I won't back squat you. I, I won't. I won't squat you. Like, if you're strong and we can do something to maintain that shit by doing a leg press, fuck it. Like, I don't. There's no core stabilization in leg press, but like, more money than I'll ever see in my life ever. Period. Right. So, yeah. you know, I think it's. But like, you've got single A guys that are, you know, young, young people that may have skipped college. Right. You've got guys that get drafted out of high school all the time. And high school strength finishing programs, I think, need to be improved with a at minimum a CSCS across the country. If you're going to be a high school strength coach, like when I went, and, and that's probably one of the things that I, I experienced was, you know, I got to work at a high school. And when I was doing that, you know, we would, we would work our times around what football was doing in their off season. But you've got a bunch of assistant football coaches that, that don't know exactly what they're doing. They have a good idea, you know, like, hey, we're going to clean, but if it's not executed and taught well, like it's just a big ass deadlift plus reverse curl. Right. Yeah. Like I'll clap at you because you can reverse curl 135, but like if you clean really well, like, and you teach them, it'll pay off, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, wrapping up on time here. uh, One kind of wrapping up question. I like to ask this to a lot of different people. 
Um, so you've been in a lot of different places. You've worked with pretty much, it sounds like a, a lot of sports. What's, mm-hmm. what is one thing that you wish you would have done when you first started as a coach that you kind of look back on, you're like, shit, I would like, can't believe I did that with my athletes. What's one thing you would have changed or wish you would have known back then that you know now? (laughs) You can say more Um, than one too, if it's hard to narrow down on one. I think that, I think that the number one thing that I would do different is I think, you know, I think that it's really important to the sooner and the faster and a good relation, like building relationships. Right. So that's like as basic as I can put it. I think that when I first started, um, especially as an intern, I was fucking scared to death. Like I remember at Delaware, there's a handful of dudes that are in the NFL. Now, like I remember the first time I saw Belial Nichols, he's a D tackle for the Chicago bears. Right. This is a 300 pound man with a six pack doing pull-ups like fucking nobody's business. I mean, fucking grown. Right. And I'm just like, Holy shit. You know, how am I going to get to a point in my career where a dude like that asks me for advice or wants to listen to me? And I think that I was super intimidated when I first started as an intern because of that, you know, I played baseball, but it's not, you know, football in the weight room. It's, it's, it is in their DNA. And you know that, like, it is in your fucking DNA if you're a football player that you lift weights, right? So I would say that most football players make better hands-on strength coaches right away <coughs> than guys that don't because they have more experience, hopefully with good coaches, but they have more experience in the weight room. So for me, I was, I was so nervous and scared, and I think that it took me a long time to get to the point where I felt like I had a, a – a, enough knowledge to help guys that were physically better than me. And I want all my athletes to be physically better than me. Like if you, you know, I I have no ego when it comes to, I want every single guy on my team to be able to jump higher than me, run faster than me, throw a baseball harder than me, all those things. Like that's, that is important. I want that. Right. Um, But I think that when I, when I was intimidated really early on, I wasn't at as good at building relationships. I was, I was nervous in certain situations to introduce myself to guys, to get to know guys, to get to know their names, you know? And I think that after that first internship, when I went as a GA, it really, um, it was, it was a good negative experience. You know, it was a good thing to be able to look back on and be like, I need to get better at this. So all of those experiences, you know, even, even North Texas for a summer, I I went in and I tried to learn everybody's names as fast as I could, because I knew when I get my first assistant position, you know, when I get my first assistant position, it's me. Like it is my team from day one. It doesn't like, I didn't get handed it off. Like as a GA, you kind of get worked into, you know, your teams, whatever. And so I was like, day one, I, I gotta, I gotta be ready for this. And so, you know, North Texas was great. It was an incredible internship and I was way more prepared when I got here to build those relationships, to get to know the guy's names, to study the roster from last year so that I knew faces names and get to know them as, as quick as I can, you know? And, and I think that, I think that I, I've heard it. I've had a, a, a buddy of mine say that he thinks that that's probably the hardest part of strength conditioning is getting to know guys. And I think that, you know, within an hour lift, you've got enough time to have a conversation with guys and really the turning point for us, for our team was when I convinced them that like, I'm not leaving, 
Like I know you guys have had four strength coaches in here. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. And the, the buy-in was instant. Like they, they were totally sold in. I, I could have told them to jump off the roof and they would have been like, listen, that sounds like some dumb shit, but like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Like you're, you're not leaving, right? You'll take me to the hospital. All right, cool, man. I'll jump off the roof, you know, but like they're, they, when you build that, they'll fucking run through a wall for you. And I think that if I could go back and do any, and, it, and your question was, what could, what I do different with for my athletes? I guess that's it. Because when you build that foundation, that trust, that do or die, ride or die, I'm, I'm here for you guys. You know, I just, you guys show up and do the things you need to do. And I will, I will always be here for you guys. Like that is something that I would have done from early, early on. Cause you can do it as an intern. And I think that that's probably the hardest thing. And, you know, now I'm 27. So I'm, you know, I'm older than these guys by quite a bit now. And, you know, I think it's easier, obviously the older you get, but I think that's probably one thing I'd do different is just really hammer home how important it is to learn guys' names and build that trust in you and, and be able to do it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, cause I'm, I'm 27 too. Um, and so working with the basketball guys, I still like have the same sense of humor as a lot of those guys. And it's not that hard to just joke around with guys before and after lifts or even between sets during a lift. And yeah, I try to do that without crossing any boundaries or barriers, you know, like, right. Uh, yeah. Like and, and, and I think, you know, I've had, so we had an intern. There's always great intern stories. But when I was a GA, we had an intern, and uh, I think like yeah, he did a good job of trying to get to know the people, the athletes and stuff. But like he took it too far, and we like go and hang out with him on the weekends, right? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. hey, you're you're rolling out with the tennis team, and you're drinking with the tennis team on Saturday, and you're a grad intern. Like you're not an undergrad intern. Like I get it if you're an athlete that's doing an internship, right? It's like hey, like you know they they look at you, but but like you're a grad student that is an intern and you want to do this professionally, you can't go get fucked up with the tennis yeah. guys, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't do that. Okay. So, you know, obviously he didn't stay very long, but like, I think there is that fine line where like, yes, you're a coach and you know, I don't want to hear about who, you know, who you're dating particularly. Right. But like, I do want to know that like you're doing well, that, you know, like your family is supporting you. I think there's a lot of things like, uh, uh, Oh gosh, it's coach. I think it's Coach Corella, the football guy at Georgia Tech. He did a presentation last year at the conference that was um, it was it was big on like building relationships. And he has like an intro, like he 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 had been at Buffalo and Georgia Tech, and he'd been at all these places like every year, right? Mm -hmm. And he said like the first thing or one of the things that I do is sit down and I do like a, a meeting with everybody. And I ask him three questions and, you know, one of them is like, who's the most important person in your life? And, and he said that like, you can ask that, you know, like my mom, my dad, my uncle, whatever it is. Right. But if you got to follow up with that. And he said that he would reach out to that mom, uncle, dad, whatever the case was. And it was like, Hey, like I am so-and-so strength coach. And like, you know, I want you to know that I am out here looking for, I, I, I take their best interest at heart. Like that's what my job is. I want them. I want to give them the best that I can and enough. And that, like that amount of follow-up and the, the buy-in and the relationship, all that stuff, all that like conscious coaching things, I guess, mm -hmm. if you want to yeah. call them <clears throat> variables, right? All those things, you buy it. Like, that's it, man. You got it. You've sold them completely. Like, you give a shit about them. And when you give a shit about somebody and you show it and they believe it, it's done. Like, they, it's over, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, I think that that that's probably, it's, it's, it's a people business, whether you're a personal trainer trying to make money and 
have clients rebuy sessions. Like I've been there, right? But like even more than that, like you've got athletes for, you know, four to five years now with Corona six, shit, who knows? But like, you know, you've got athletes and you're going to, you're going to be a part of their life until you're gone. Right. And, and, you know, you want them to trust that you've got their best interests at heart. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing is, is do that and do it well and do it quickly do it do it as well as you can as fast yeah. as you can right don't rush it but you know it's important to do so and i think that that's huge and i i did not appreciate that you learn a lot of programming things you learn you know the, the things you learn in school i i think that that's probably one thing i wish i'd known in like a, a better you know an ms class that does knees or whatever right. you know you got to guarantee even if you're a physical therapist like you gotta you gotta get to know your patients right so yeah. um yeah, you, you really got to you got to build that relationship, and, and that's a huge piece. So, yeah, good stuff, well, man. Long-winded answer. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and have a conversation with me. Um, I honestly don't think there's anything cooler than just like sharing your experiences with other people in the field and just putting your thoughts and opinions out in the open for people to criticize or agree or disagree with, and maybe like. I don't know. That's kind of why I'm doing this. I want to put my opinions out there and then maybe someone will disagree with me on something and they'll like write a comment or ask, ask to have a conversation with me and tell me why they think I'm incorrect. And then I can learn from them. And so I, I truly appreciate you taking the time to come out and just share your thoughts, share your experiences, share yeah. like everything you, you kind of, what you do with your team. So yeah, man, I, I truly appreciate you taking this time. So um, for anybody that wants to follow up with you, um, where, where can they find you? I know you're on Instagram. Do you have a Twitter? I have a Twitter with like 20 followers. <laughs> I, I got, I, I got Twitter so I can follow like certain strength coaches that post more yeah. stuff on Twitter. Right. Yeah. So for yeah. me, it's continued education. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I probably won't tweet, but I post on Instagram, um, a lot. Uh, I think, you know, the athletes like to see videos of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I do that a lot. I like to post on there. Um, and then, you know, obviously if you got specific questions or anything like that, you can reach out to me, yeah. just send me a DM on there and we can, we can email back and forth or, you know, whatever the case is. I, I, you know, like you, I, I, I've been dying to do a podcast because I really, really like the ability to, you know, from a small school say, Hey, this is what we do. This is where I've been. You know, like you said, I, I can always improve, you know, I do the things we do and there's reasons that we do them. And if you want to learn or you want to correct me, please, by all means, Eric Cressy, if you're watching, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like we, we can talk whenever you want. Like I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll listen any day. So I think, yeah, I, I, I'm in the same spot. So if you want to follow me, it's just, uh, if you, if you search coach cam, you'll find it. It's uh, you'll see this, you'll see this mug up there. <laughs> awesome well I'll, I'll make sure i put that in the like the show notes or whatever but uh yeah man uh appreciate it once again and uh maybe we'll uh catch up another time yeah absolutely absolutely um for sure and uh thank you for reaching out for sure